This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. If you're thinking, I should go for a run today, but it looks like it could rain, Sierra says, save on epic rain jackets. If you're also thinking, but I can't go out in these beat-up old running shoes, Sierra says, save on top brand running shoes. And if you're still thinking, but I'm also busy performing brain surgery, well, then we say, you really should have led with that. Sierra, let's get moving to your local store, like now. Go! And welcome to Tales from Titchmarsh, a wry look at life over the garden fence with me, Alan Titchmarsh. This time, why our gardens should be about more than just gardening. What makes you love your garden? Aside from your natural enjoyment of gardening, I mean. For most of us, I suppose, it represents several things, not least an escape from the rigours of daily life. You could argue, of course, that it offers rigours of a different kind. Weeding, hedge clipping, double digging, but they in themselves are productive and provide an escape from less rewarding occupations. Often, the repetitive nature of gardening tasks is a kind of therapy in itself, as your mind can roam over other things, even if it is only the shopping list or the new colour scheme for the bathroom. A garden, too, is a place for creativity and self-expression. Each one is a blank canvas, daunting at times, on which you can create any kind of picture, abstract or figurative, classical or informal. Given freedom to do anything, it's astonishing how few of us dare, choosing instead to tread a well-trodden path. But with experience comes wisdom and, hopefully, bravery as well enough to encourage us to experiment, whatever the neighbours might think. Our garden, after all, is there to suit our needs, nobody else's. There are those who regard the garden 
as a display case of their good taste or wealth, filling it with costly hard landscaping, elegantly proportioned canals and pleached alleys. Well, if it gives them pleasure and provides employment to landscape gardeners, good luck to them. As long as they learn to love it for itself, not just for what it represents. Then there's the fact that a garden is a pleasant place to relax, provided you can perfect the technique. And boy, does it take some perfecting. I have half a dozen seats scattered around my garden, but I can't begin to tell you of the discipline it takes to stay rooted on one for more than 15 seconds. I'm not exaggerating. That's roughly how long it is before I see a weed that needs pulling out or a deadhead that needs a snip. I'm working on myself, bringing self-control to bear, making myself sit still and look the other way, so that the garden does become a place of calming enrichment. But it's hard. Properly planned, of course, a garden is an extension of the house, an outdoor room and a place to entertain. Most recently it's in this role that my garden has come into its own, and after being here eight years, changed the way I look at it. We've had evening meals out on the terrace whenever the weather is favourable. Sipping a glass of chilled fizz or white wine and looking out over flower-filled borders, while the air is rich with the scent of lilies and roses, is one of life's greatest pleasures. Even more, I love taking a bowl of cereal outside to have my breakfast sitting on a low wall while the early morning sun makes me squint and the gentle playing of the fountain in my little sunken garden is music to my ears. I know then how lucky I am not to be woken up by a number nine bus. Breakfast, lunch and dinner are all improved in flavour by being taken in the open air, but recently they all paled into insignificance alongside an event that turned my garden into something special. You see, my eldest daughter got married in the village church just across the lane, and then we all walked back. The lane flanked by the guests who threw rose petals at the happy couple to the reception which was held in a marquee in the garden. For months we'd worked on beds and borders, lawns and shrubberies, planting a hundred pots of lily bulbs back in February in the hope that some would make it on the day. About a third of them did. We clipped hedges and topiary, swept and scrubbed, staked and dead-headed, but the fact that we were working towards something special made it all worthwhile. On the morning itself, the hoped-for weather presented itself, dry and not too warm, the sun sneaking through the clouds to make it a lovely summer's day. My list of 22 things to do before lunchtime was eventually ticked off, the last two being the mowing of the grassy slope to the marquee, once the caterers had finished their unloading, and the raking of the gravel on the drive. From polo shirt and jeans to morning dress is a giant leap for a gardener, but it all happened as it should. The service went off without a hitch, the serenity of the bride brought tears to her parents' eyes, and then we all flooded into the garden for drinks and canapes before repairing to the marquee for the reception proper and the meal, speeches and dancing. 
At midnight, the bride and groom swept down the drive in their car to cheers and merry waves, and the guests went home to their assorted beds, scattered about the village. But I'll never forget the day, or the part my garden played in it. That patch of lawn over there is where my daughter stood with the bridesmaids to be photographed, laughing uproariously and coaxing two tiny flower girls to look the right way. There's the rarely used front door of the house, through which she walked with her new husband for the first time. There is where the marquee stood, filled with loving, laughing friends on the happiest of days. There's the spot where she danced her first dance, and there is where she waved us goodbye. None of these memories are remotely sad. They're just wistful, happy reminders of the most wonderful day, and they've left me loving my garden all the more for being the place where such magic happened.'